When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And with our first post-Christmas pod, following the games in the Gallagher Premiership, following some other big stories that are going on just now, um, I'm Tim in the Rugby Dungeon with JB. Hello, Tim. I'm with Phil. Hello, Tim. And and firstly, uh, we we hope you had a a lovely festive period with your family. How was yours, guys? Uh, Lovely. I I did a rib of beef, as I've documented before on the (laughs) pod. Uh, I made... God knows, I must have made pasta with about 3,000 calories per dish. Ooh, now you're talking. Oil. Butter. Yeah, on on Christmas Eve. Oil, butter, parmesan. The only non-fatty carby ingredients that went into it were parsley and garlic. (laughs) That's one of your five a day, right? Exactly right. If if you get enough parsley. the amount of garlic in there, I could have exceeded my five a day. (laughs) Can I just show you the river beef that I bought from the butchers? Oh, wow. Look at the ageing. Oof, the bark, they call that, Phil. Oh, bark. Fat beautiful. Means, fat means flavour. Oh, yeah. How did yeah. that turn out? Oh, inc- incredible. I just, uh, it, well, it turned out like that. Had a little, had a little, had a little mustard rub, that mustard flour Ooh. rub that I put all over did, it. Did you have a little crisis on Christmas Eve thinking your knives weren't sharp enough and you might need to nip down to B&Q to get a whetstone? <laughs> yeah. I had that. <laughs> well, you're not far off. That, no. that was the ham on Christmas Eve. Lovely. The ham on Christmas Eve. Oh, nice. So, some uh, awesome food. Now they're yeah. all really chummy with the butcher. Well, he's been chummy with the butcher for a long time. I used to have a, I used to have a regular feature on my radio show, yeah. um, <laughs> which is quite handy because every Christmas so Eve, basically, corrupt. I go to the back door to pick up my meat. I don't have to queue <laughs> with the riffraff. I remember you telling me that, like, you were, that it worked so well having that feature with the butcher. You were thinking of having one with the guy who owns the off-licence. Um, <laughs> and also and the, the uh, Maserati salesman. Yeah, and also the local dealer. What, what kind of dealer was that, Tim? <laughs> no comment, Your Honour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, now you're mates with the butcher. Can you maybe take my knives around to get sharpened? Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's not a bad, bad idea, that. I'm sure you could just. You're enough of a customer. I'm sure you could just walk in and go, would you? Mm, maybe. They're always, they're always so busy there. Anyway. 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 I hope you had a lovely time. And uh, we, we've got plenty to talk about on this podcast. Uh, firstly, though, just a reminder uh, we've got lots of new patrons. Yeah, mm. loads of them. Thank you for joining. After our special, we peeled back the curtain, showed you how the sausage is made to keep the butcher parlance going. And uh, gave you that little podcast over the festive period to give you a little peek behind the scenes about what we do in our extra podcasts. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, we really appreciate it. It helps keep the lights on, helps us uh, look at the logistics of putting on a Tier 2 tour, which we are looking into with... uh, We're we're giving serious thought and planning to, so watch this space. Patreon.com forward slash Egg Chasers. 
and contactedchasers at gmail.com. We've got a bunch of emails as well. Which yeah, we've got loads of emails. got loads, which we will pepper through the podcast. But there's one story we've got to start on, gents. Mm. Um, Phil, you're always really good. Details, man. JB and I just kind of... Well, JB has wild opinions, as, as do <laughs> I. I'm, I sometimes light on detail. You're always across things. So what's going on with Leicester Tigers and a potential salary cap breach? Well... We don't know very much at the moment. All that we know is there is an investigation going on by Premier Rugby into what is um, described as historical payments and historical yeah. image right payments via a company, a now defunct company called Worldwide Image Management. That's about it. Now, Borthwick has mentioned something that... Um, he obviously came in in March 2020, so he's been in role about 18 months. His suggestion from his statement was that this is happening prior to his involvement, which would make sense based mm-hmm. on what we know. What wouldn't make sense is that we know that in 2015, because it was revealed by either the Miners Report or the Dyson Report, that three clubs um, in 2015 were found guilty of... Um, breaches but they were swept under the carpet that being Saracens and the implication that the other two who never commented to um, confirm uh, or deny yeah never, never commented but I think it was nine of the ten other clubs or whatever it was there was ten clubs that denied, uh, it. denied it and three clubs that didn't which were Saracens Bath and Leicester Tigers that but that's been dealt with so that's been swept under the rub that, yeah so what we can infer from that is that these breaches have taken place in between 2015 and 2020 when Borthwick comes in, which is the worst period of Leicester Tigers' history in terms of performances. Yeah, if they were cheating, they were bad at it. Well, they they were absolutely terrible. It it makes me think, remember, we used to joke that um, Saracens had the best accountants in the league. Yeah. But then when the Dyson report came out and Saracens... Basically, failed to Saracens lawyers failed to win a single point in a hundred-page report. <laughs> they had the best accountants in the league, but the worst lawyers in the league. Leicester clearly have the worst accountants in the league, so they better hope they've got some bloody good lawyers. Well, funny enough, they really do have accountants. The, the people that run their salary cap are a bunch of accountants somewhere in Leicester. They they don't do it in, um, in house; they get someone else to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Second thing is Leicester have always liked using this way of paying their players using image rights and there's a good argument to say that every player should be using a proportion of their of their or get receiving a proportion of their salary as image rights they should all have a, a limited company i've actually done a video about this and i can't remember the the details but it just makes sense for some of the players in fact almost all of the players to put a proportion of their pay which is generated from things like having their image on the club um on the club program or around the ground or some such thing, uh, go into a limited company. That just makes just makes sense. Well, so it does. But from my yeah. from my reading about this in the past, it it can only happen. You can only do that where the image has a value. I.e., so there was a. This is much more common in Premier League football mm-hmm. and also down to Championship level football. And there was there's so there's been a, a kind of flip from a tax perspective of this from football and therefore a wider sporting stance because players in the championship were receiving 60% of their salary 
through Image Rate Corporation so yeah. they could avoid tax Avoid on tax, it. exactly. Before, yeah, before which we get is a nonsense the, no, Before we get into the merit of, of yeah. that and the logistics, let's talk about the morality element of it from Leicester's point of view. And I think there's a brilliant email we've got from Rowan, who is a, Saras- okay. who is a Saracens fan. And this, where Rowan goes with this, is exactly what my first thought was. He says, uh, hi, gents. Um, blah, blah, blah. I love the show, etc. <laughs> uh, as a Saracens fan, who's obviously just heard the news about the Tigers breach, I have an opinion. As desperately as I wanted it to be either the racists or the Maserati drivers <laughs> <laughs> that were being investigated, the fact it was Tigers raised some other questions. For the sake of argument, let's assume Tigers are both guilty and knew what they were doing. Again, we don't know that yet, but let's, let's for the purpose of yeah, this, assume yeah. that is the case. Hell of an assumption, though, isn't it? Well, we'll see. Yeah. If you recall, Saracens were asked to open their books after their initial punishment. This is exactly what I thought. Uh, to which they said every other club should also open theirs. That's what Saracens said. Understandably, this was voted against by every other club, including Tigers. Therefore, Tigers, who was saved from a painful relegation by the Saracens' punishment, mm. voted to keep their own discretions under wraps whilst putting another club down for similar discretions. This is where there's, there's possibly something... It, it looks a bit, potentially, if guilty, and if they knew about it... It looks a bit dirtier because they because they might have known. Oh, we're we're doing we're doing a bit of that. Yeah. Let, no, we're not going to open our books. Yeah. See you later. We're bottom of the table. You're now below us. Hang on, but there is one other element of this as well, and it's a salary cap breach potentially, but it's a salary cap breach in a different way to Saracens because they had an overall breach of how much money they were spending. They were spending too much do you this is an unreported salary so but this the, was part of the saracens fine and part yeah, of the yeah, salary sorry, saracens sorry, point, this, this points deduction wasn't it sorry just this is why yeah. it's different to saracens because they may well have breached the salary cap regulations and that's exactly why they're doing the interviews but they might not have breached the salary cap and it's worth it's worth remembering that oh, okay what, what's, I mean, Mar- that, what's yeah. maruitoji's image rights deal not part of the whole Saracens yeah. thing. Sorry, so what I'm saying to him is like, say if Saracens, Saracens are at the cap and then Mario Toji has an extra 800,000, it'd be six, a, a six, 6 million plus 800,000. With Leicester Tigers, it may well be a case that they were spending 5 million, so let's say they're a million underneath the cap and then they spent another 20,000 on some image rights. Okay. Yeah. You see what I mean? So and they, yeah. they, they, they saved the players even, a bit yeah. of tax, yeah. which is a, is a now, net. A net yeah. I find that hard to believe for Leicester Tigers. I, yeah, I could I'm be wrong. Saying, I, yeah. like, if it was Worcester... I'd be like, well, yeah, that would make sense. Backs up. Yeah, yeah, but Leicester Tigers, I mean, and that's one of the worst things about Leicester Tigers. They were terrible, even though we all assume that they were spending right up to the salary cap. But I don't think they were, you know. I don't think they were too, last year and the year before. Just on the morality point, just on Rowan's point, which is Leicester Tigers were, were, happy, quite, were happy to see, and, and, you know, and Leicester Tigers fans, a lot of them might be feeling a little bit... Um, uh, burnt by this because they might have not taken pleasure, that's not what I mean, but been vociferously um, shouting, Saracens, get down, get your fine, you, you need, your books need to open up, we need yeah. a full investigation. Then, if guilty, and if knowingly, Leicester Tigers may have kept their kept theirs un, out, of, out of the public eye when they, uh, when they were bottom of the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is potentially dodgy. Yeah. We don't, we don't saved know the ins and outs. Relegation, weren't they? Yes, <laughs> they were saved yeah, relegation yeah. by relegating Zara. Again, we don't know the ins and outs. We don't know the guilt. We don't know the, yeah. the knowledge. Yeah. I, I think that is really quite an important point here, which is 
you know, we need to know exactly yeah. what are these breaches. Is it a breach of the cap rather, rather than a breach of the rules? Uh, you know, is it just non-reporting? I mean, if it's over £200,000 of breaches, i.e. over the cap, they're in hot water. You know, like, not just hot water, relegation style hot hot water. Now, I don't think it will come to that, because if you remember with Saracens, they might not have got relegated. It's the fact that they decided to get relegated because they wouldn't open, the, open their books. Yes. And now, to think that it's, those historic breaches are going to cost this Leicester Tigers team a title is heartbreaking. That really well, is. Yeah, that even could, if there that, was relegation, Bath are in the league, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did up some fifty points, they'll be all right. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be sorry, it, Bath. It, well, accurate though. <laughs> Imagine getting relegated from the league on the one year that, or the second year that relegation isn't a thing. How heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. because yeah. uh-huh. if if and it's, it's a very good point. If there is found to be. Um, another breach so this is Leicester breaching after they'd already had their knuckles wrapped in 2015 in the same way that Saracens had their knuckles wrapped in 2015 and like you say by a significant amount but yeah if yeah if it's a significant amount what do they do like what does the league do well it's a league that needs to get the house yeah on. yeah it is that's, uh, that's more it, so than even Leicester because the league messed up the Saracens thing unbelievably let's just go through the timeline on that and they messed up the 2015 thing Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2015 is the, well, I mean, is the start much, of all this. To be fair, there's not much the league doesn't mess up from TV <laughs> deals to corporate messaging to media. I mean, if you can mess it, in fact, it's incredible. There should be case studies written, uh, written about this league <laughs> and widely distributed. It's actually impressive. The, the... It is impressive, isn't it? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's astounding. I mean, even the appointment of their old CEO who thought that rugby was invented in Eton. He gave, apparently stood up in, in a dinner and told the story is a lunch actually about William Webb Ellis picking up the ball for the first time in Eton and scoring I mean the clue is in the name was it an away game for rugby perhaps yes <laughs> maybe <laughs> do you know what if that was the level of detail that he went into fair and, play and William, got the right William man. Webb Ellis did pick up the ball away at Eton that would be <laughs> I mean, it's completely conceivable. Maybe I owe him a, a huge apology there. Yeah, sorry, Mr. Childs. But uh, like, it's like the um, the musical, the producers. Do you know, yes. do you know the story where they meant to fail and they yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They try and make a, a flop because it would for make, tax benefits for tax purposes. It? it would actually make be more profitable. <laughs> okay, but it ends up making loads of money. Looking at their appointments, I, I can actually see that being <laughs> maybe maybe. Uh, so the league needs to sort this out. Because the Saracens debacle was absolutely that a debacle. They spent an awful lot of money on very, very highly qualified uh, legal minds, and it took ages with no yeah. communication. And yeah. actually, give give the devil its due, they were good reports. They were very oh good yeah, the but they, they were yeah. issued first. They got leaked yes, because they weren't going to be issued, and then. The unredacted version got leaked, which had everyone's names in. So oh, everyone yeah. read that, and then Premier Rugby <laughs> actually issued the redacted version, and everyone's already read the detail. Hence, oh. we know Maruotoji was paid nine hundred thousand pounds for his image right for thirty percent of his Underpaid, image right, which out. looks like an absolute bargain exactly. for Nigel Ray. Uh, so after all that, it's a real test of their systems because uh, we may joke, but I do think the salary cap is the single most important thing in Premiership rugby, and enforcing that salary cap. Is absolutely vital, and if Leicester are guilty, there should be punishments, and the punishments should be disproportionate to the crime because that's how how punishments work. And it's going to be very, very tough for Leicester fans, but uh, I'm sure the honourable and fair ones among them will want exactly the same levies against them proportionately than they were they, than they were asking for for Saracens. Now, if you actually remember 
we we were not coming down on Saracens in in the level that many other people oh. were. And so equally, we could sit here and go, well, let's, let's just see what it is first, and maybe let's just. There's a lot of other things. There's a lot of I other will... moving parts, and we can we can let it go. And that would be consistent for us. Yes, it would be. If if there were Leicester fans chomping at the bit and taking gleefully waving Saracens goodbye, they need to have a look in the mirror. If they don't, then accept the same kind of uh, rationale for mm. themselves. Do you, do you know, if Leicester Tigers are found guilty, I'll be heartbroken. I'll be heartbroken for Leicester Tigers and this team have worked so, so hard. Also, their fans are returning, but yeah. the sport in general. Oh, I just, I, I th- I, my prediction <sighs> is it will just be a fine. I have a feeling you're right, and I do think yeah. that would be in line with the Saracens thing, providing you can prove it wasn't... I mean, <laughs> they didn't win any European titles. Not that that's the point. But if it's a marginal... Yeah, when I say marginal, less than 200k, and they come clean, and they open their books, they'll get away with a points deduction and a fine. Yeah, well, th- there is, because Wasps accidentally breached it a couple of years with ago, didn't they? Yeah, but it was to the tune of about 50 grand. Yeah, that, that was, that was so, an agent VAT thing. And there is, I can't remember the detail, but there is a staggered penalty. Yeah. So something like below, but let's just say below 50 grand is... Um, 10%. Yeah, or, or 50, 50p or on the pound. Yes, that's right. Between... 50 grand and 200 grand is one pound on the pound yeah. and over 200 grand or over 250 grand is I think it was three pounds on the pound because that's where Saracens their five million yes you're right something like that stings doesn't came it? In. it it would really sting yeah. yeah it also is another great example I tell you who talks about this all the time is Mark Evans the premiership need a much more robust central resource an independent governor or commissioner so might call him <laughs> Who actually has this power to you know, meet out punishment? Because at the moment, it's got to go to basically the Premiership owners. The Premiership clubs have got to vote on it. I don't think yeah. that's good Mark, enough. Mark in their own homework. Yeah, yeah. Which they is need, what to, they need to put their faith in someone who they believe in to do the right thing at yeah. the right time. But on, as part of the miners' report, I'm pretty sure it was getting my uh, salary cap reports confused. But I'm sure it's the miners' report into the salary cap um, as a whole. One of the recommendations was the basically you had a salary cap manager by the league creating the role of salary cap director who had far greater powers to act um, under his own authority and not be have to go to the 13 boards for sign-off from the clubs when they are, exactly as you say, marking their own homework. So I would make two, I've said this before, so I'll keep it brief, two diff, uh, two changes. One would be the salary cap director, which I'd call a commissioner. I think you mentioned Lord Miners would be your um, would be your nominee for In the past he was good I'd, I'd probably go for Lord Dyson actually. Lord Dyson, I, sorry. I pre- I, One of the Lords. His um that that report, the Dyson report, the Miners report I quite enjoyed but I disagreed with it in parts. The Dyson report I thought was brilliant. And to to go through a hundred pages of well legal writing and condense it and make it as readable as he did. Which in the same way as the, the recent um, Razi Erasmus report, the 80-odd yes. pages of the Razi Erasmus report that was so accessible and easy to read, when you could see that there is tombs and tombs of information and uh, intelligent thought and debate that's gone into what is 80 pages but a very accessible 80 pages. Yeah, com- it's, it's incredibly impressive skill. That com- com- completely agree with that, but our minds work very differently because whereas you go with Dyson, I think I might go with someone like like the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know yet. I mean, he, he's, he's Samoan. He used to play rugby when he was yeah. younger. I mean, I just think I don't think people would lie to him. 
Um, <laughs> looks good in a suit. I just think he'd be a looks great... Looks impeccable in a suit. Yeah. And the other thing that I would do as well, and I love this idea, which is the players have to do an internal uh, salary return to the league. And if they want to outsource it to an agent, they can do that and the agent signs it off. And as long as you are honest with everything that you've received from the club, no matter what you've received, even if it's 15 million quid, right? <laughs> you write 15 million quid on, on that return, hand it into the league. And if those returns don't match up with the salary cap, which the club have said, there then is an instant investigation. If you've been caught yep. covering something up as a player, you can get banned. And if the club is covering something up, they get banned. But as long as you are honest as the player... Or your agent is honest as the agent. And that's a great in for agents, you know. Agents can now find themselves as, with actually something to do. Because <laughs> currently, where do they send their players? There's only 13 employers that they can possibly have. There's a pretty tight salary cap. They need they need a, a, a reason to prove their worth. This could be the perfect reason to prove their worth. Knowledge around the salary cap. I think, I th- I'm sure that was one of the points in the miners' report. To get it, you're effectively getting it verified two ways yes um it's i'm a little bit uncomfortable with it just because you are creating you're putting onus on the players to do something well it's a little bit like if you work for the work for the security services or high up in one of the banks which is you have to come clean with your financials because you could be corrupted Uh, so you have to come clean with your financials and if you'll find out find out to be lying then there's some very serious serious penalties including the loss of your loss of your your job now with rugby it is financial doping and so the players in the same way that they have to submit their medical i mean i would be far far more touchy about people taking my blood than i would about people looking at my bank statements Mm. i'd be far more touchy about people looking at my internet history than i would be (laughs) taking my blood or um my or my financial statements yes quite yeah (laughs) We should get a VPN sponsor to... Uh, yeah, VPN. Uh, ...at this point. Hit us up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll watch this space with that one. It's yeah. playing out. Leicester have said they are um, assisting yeah. the current... Which, given that um, the current CEO and Borthwick have both... But they're only 18 months in post. Yeah. It's actually quite a good thing for Leicester that they've they've cleaned house before this has happened. And just another one, just the last thing on this. There's a bit on Twitter today about, is this the reason so many players left? Is this the reason so many executives left? And the answer is no. <laughs> the uh, reason that so many people left is because heads had to roll post-Mass O'Connor. I don't think I, there's, any, there's yeah, any doubt and, about that. And years of poor performance. And we've said it before. They, was, they avoided relegation by the skin of their teeth twice. Yeah. It was only because of Saracens and then no relegation last season. One question on this. Do we know how it came to light? Because previously it was some... Uh, journalistic investigation. How, how was this one? I don't know, actually. It was first reported in the Times. Alex Lowe has been all but, over this, I think. But yeah, I don't know. It could okay. it could well be people scouring it's one of company's house, that, isn't it? You hear about it all the time. Like I knew Leicester Tigers used image rights. I've always no- known that, and I, they've been more aggressive on it than other teams. And I've always known that because I'm interested in these sort of things. But never legal. When you say more than. Other teams, that means is a suggestion there that some event, eventually there'll be other teams that get this. Get some, teams, some teams don't do it. There is HMRC guidance as to how much you can put in, yeah. and then yeah. after that, it's you know at your own risk. You have to yeah. prove if these companies are viable or if they meet HMRC I, guidelines. You'd have to prove that if you're paying a hundred thousand pounds for someone's image right and a salary of one hundred twenty thousand pounds, yeah, you got to prove that image rights are five times the value of their playing worth. Exactly, which but, which would be. 
unusual. It was yeah. very unusual. But without doubt, the player's value to a club is far more. Well, not far more, but it is more than it's just the player. Cert- certain. Yeah. Like your, your third choice back row, third choice number six, his image rights will be negligible. You're starting fly half. A lot. A lot. If you're married, if you've got Mario Toji, a huge Imagine. amount. Yeah. Imagine. So we'll watch this space. There'll be plenty of time to talk about it. I'll be very interested to see what, what years this covers and what potential yeah. alternative parallel universes might have happened had it surfaced sooner, assuming there is guilt or knowledge of uh, wrongdoing and it to any significant degree. But we'll, we'll definitely watch this space. Um, what, what other stories are there bubbling around? Well, there's a, there's a couple. You, you guys might find this incredibly boring, but there's there's a couple of little construction-related um, oh, stories. This is quite a rare Hello. moment where your two <laughs> great passions, construction <laughs> and <laughs> rugby, collide. So take the centre stage, Phil. Um, so two interesting construction-related stories this week, one positive and one negative. Uh, the positive first, Bath have gone all the way to the, to the Court of Appeal and overturn the 1922 covenants which um is very good news if you are a bath fan bath player bath owner anyone to do with bath because the 1922 covenant basically limited what they could do on the on the wreck mm. and it it stated it was put in place unsurprisingly nearly 100 years ago um in 1922 and it stated that nothing could be erected on the wreck Erected, placed, built or done on the land which may be or grow to be a nuisance, annoyance or disturbance or otherwise prejudicially affect the adjoining premises or the neighbourhood. So all of the adjoining properties and the the neighbourhood were contesting Bath um, or certain members. Certain members. members A couple of people who had had flats uh, or houses backing onto the wreck. Yeah, I would contest if I if I had a view of the rugby pitch and then I didn't have a view of the rugby Potent- pitch. Yeah. Absolutely. I would play hell. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> NIMBY. Yeah. You're a NIMBY. Oh, no, no. No, the opposite. In my backyard, but I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is very good news for Bath. They can go forward with, well, a huge upgrade. They can of turn, the it, turn it around 90 degrees and make it larger. Is that the idea, yeah. is it? Yeah. Like, Putting, so, up, putting more stands and probably a lot more hospitality and much, much better, better right. facilities because the wreck is an incredible location. It really is. But it? it's not very good facilities. It, imagine if you turn it around frank. 90 degrees and you had your hospitality on the river side. Oh, I see. Where, where the wooden chair stands are and you can have windows out the back over the river and the city of Bath, the, yeah, weir, the weir. the cathedral. The and cathedral. And then, out, and then the other side, you've got... The hills and the, 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 you've got the pitch with the hills in the background. Yeah, yeah I've never even thought of that. It's yeah, incredible. It awesome. Yeah. Okay, so there's a few more questions I have for you. Now, obviously, modern architecture is garbage now. <laughs> yeah. And nothing nice has been built for the best part of the hundred years. I, I think I genuinely wonder whether there's an element of demoralisation in yeah. some of the construction. I mean, I don't know. You've got a construction thought. Com- it, it, communist the, architects. Yeah. There, there are some things that I do, do go. Are they trying to? Uh, Make me feel bad about my country and my culture by erecting horrible, horrible buildings. Hundred percent. I don't think it's as conscious as that. I think you'll often get grand architectural ambition and ambitions of all sorts of uh, futuristic technology, um, sen- sensible, um, efficient technology that has long-term benefits for the building and everything else, and then it will cost a lot more to have those grand architectural ambitions and all the technology, mm. and so it just all gets scaled back. So here's and some so steel it's beams like, and some glass. Yeah, pretty, it, it's often, from my experience, it's often 
kind of um, lowest common denominator by um, committee. You end up at the lowest right. common denominator because that is the cheapest route to get the could, building. Is built. there any way you could have efficient, future-proof technological and construction in a Georgian style? Oh yeah, you definitely could. It would be it would be very if you're going to build it of the the bath stone. Yes, it'd be phenomenally expensive. Well, do it, do it. But you could you can clad it with something that's if if you look at um, St Peter's Square and we built two St Peter's Square in Manchester, which has a stone effect cladding that on one elevation on the south elevation is um, shaped into some of the um, historic shapes of of the city. That is quite quite nice tastefully done stone effect cladding that you could do something similar to that without enormous expense right. that's what you need to do that bath. matches the tone of the kind of the palette of the city and the history of the city without huge expense okay so why would bath want to expand their stadium because they want more revenue they want more people in more revenue it was full again the other day okay. well, boxing day it was full right and this is my this is my bugbear with bath my absolute bugbear um I've got this incredible scheme, and what you can <laughs> I do, know what, you're gonna say. <laughs> what you can do is keep your overheads exactly the same. Yet you can raise your revenue uh, by doubling the cost of the tickets, right? <laughs> and keep on going up until you're ninety five percent full. And then that's when you'll know you've hit that beautiful sweet spot. So you've got a little bit of surge. You know, if you want to go for, you know, if there is a big game, you can fill up that five percent. But just milk them for everything they're worth because they're all rich. I mean, it's probably the wealthiest it, town. Oh my word! Yeah, walking, but... walking to the wreck down Pulteney Street and sit, the number of mustard chinos and <laughs> fur. Like, Actually, not, not even exaggerating. I saw about half a dozen fur coats on people <laughs> walking <laughs> around. In fact, it go is... the other way. Reduce the capacity of the stadium, right? But make it uh, a bit more of a, a bit more, not a core, a bit more of a luxury uh, experience. Building scarcity. Make people worried every match day <laughs> that, they, that they might miss out. Recli- reclining seats with like uh, meeting yeah. around you, personal service. Where- uh, rescind all the all the season tickets. Do you know, like do you know, like the best restaurants don't do bookings. <laughs> like, you've just got to show up on the day and hope for the best. That's that, 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 that's what I do. And sell like triple the price. It'd be far, far <laughs> easier. Well, the problem is to do that. You've got to be playing some good rugby. And ah. Leicester found that when they were really performing badly, and Leicester have always been incredibly well attended, yes. they were, their attendances were dropping significantly. And now they're obviously picking back up. But you can't raise the prices when you, you are putting on displays that Bath have been putting on yeah. recently. People rightly give Bruce Craig a bit of an earful. Like, do the right thing, Bruce. Uh, disappear and... You know. You can't knock his commitment. <laughs> He's taking this <laughs> all the way to the Court of Appeal. The man puts his money where his mouth is. Now, he's not winning many games, but I do respect the amount of money he, he pumps into, into that club. Uh, I also, word. just sort of tying in the bath thing and looping back on what we were talking about before regarding Leicester, no one seems to be mentioning uh, Ed Griffiths' checkered past mm. uh, well, in, in him as the, the, the starting in January, the new, the new chairman at Bath. That, isn't it? Because... I mean, Ed Griffiths was brought back into Saracens to sort it out. Now, and were it, things going wrong in Ed Griffiths' first time around? I don't know is the answer. Well, but it, it woefully failed when he got brought back in because he would, he came in to try and get them under the salary cap yeah. that season before before they opened their books and then didn't open their yeah. books. Sorry, I shouldn't yeah. take that. And then he, he obviously failed and then disappeared again. But just yeah. on the Ed Griffiths thing, I do think he's a very deep thinker when it comes to sports. Um, 
Vivian had the pleasure of speaking to his brother. Mm-hmm. Who was it, didn't he have a, a, a slight jacket history at Worcester as well? Was he at, was he at Worcester? I, I believe so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Things so didn't go too well there either. Interesting. No, that was interesting. So, hey, like, I agree with you. He's, he's yeah, so his brother ran all of NFL outside of the US, which is a fairly large job. Mm. Uh, so, you know, you know, they've obviously, you know, as a family, they seem to have a bit of a mind for sport. That said, the jobs he's been handed, like, can you get Saracens underneath the salary cap? Well, open up the books, get rid of some expensive players, and yeah, we'll like we'll do it. It's not, it's not the hardest job in the world. Well, it was because yeah, you, and then he th- you, said, do, you try to do it mid-season, so you've oh, got yeah, to pay yeah. them to break their contracts. But when he found out that it couldn't be done, he just said, well, I'm, "I'm going, I'm going." Yeah. So like, if it's the easiest thing in the world, he would have done it. And if not, it he was just yeah, it was not an easy and, thing. And to do. Anyway, well, do with you Bath, want... sorry, just to yeah. draw the parallel with uh, uh, Bath. Also, the easiest job in the world. Oh, you need a defence coach. All these guys have got to go and get and get in <laughs> Johan van Graan. I mean, I don't know. I think I could. Have, could you have come up with that, Tim? Well, it's quite. I might, I might have come in and, in a review of the club said, mm, like, "Do you know what? I think we need a defence coach." <laughs> yeah. And Who runs the defence around here? Everyone just looks at each other. <laughs> Any, anyone? Yeah. And you could also say. And we need a role for me. Oh, no, no, big. My review includes a long-term, highly lucrative role for a, me. A chairman. A chairman. Perfect. Um, but I tell you what, let, let, before we go on to your second construction, yes. point, let's just briefly touch on Bath then, uh, as we're there. Yes. Because, as you say... You were, you were at the rack, right? I, I was at the rack. Great. Full, full house. Bath started quite well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... Predictably, the walls, uh, the wheels fell off. So oh. I didn't see the game, but I did hear that when Sam Underhill went off, they looked different. Uh, no, you don't. I would not put it down to Sam Underhill. There's no question. Yes, he's he's a big loss, and I think they're lacking on leadership on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're also missing other players. Um, uh, Underhill aside, however, whoever is on the field, to be as passive as Bath were, it's. There's something in the top two inches that's not, that's not right. It's, Do you think they've given up? It's not. It's not technical. I mean, um, well, uh, there are clearly technical issues. And when I said to Stuart Hooper, is it you know, is this if, is it attitude or is it technical? Because he acknowledged that they made made life far too easy for Gloucester. Mm. I said, well, is that is that just attitude then? And he said, no, 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 it's technical. You know, we were down what? down to thirteen men. I do think it's a bit of the top two inches. I, the, the way I've, it looked like um, a Premiership team against a, a League One team. Uh, in in the in the rolling walls, well, the, 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 time and again, and Gloucester yeah. are very good at that. They are very good at rolling walls. However, however, there was just missed tackles, standing uh, off rucks and malls when when they're trundling over your line, running when they're running a rolling mall over your line. Yeah, the speed of the rolling mall, but the, the tries came, and I've I've not watched the full game as you will have done, Tim. But the tries came from it seemed two things: rolling mall where Gloucester have been incredibly. Um, successful with them and well organised and Bath were just in total disarray by comparison and then the t- both Chris Harry's tries and I think the Kyle Moyle try was just a bouncing ball in midfield yep. Gloucester react Bath uh, just stood around no one no one concentrating no one reacting and Gloucester exploit Bath's mental fragility That's lack it. of lack of focus lack of awareness I mean obviously Bath are rubbish to start with but is it like you're rubbish with the perfect storm now, which is new coach coming in, don't really need to impress the old guy because we don't even know if he's going to be there. 
poor old Hatley. Is he staying? Is he going? Is he just... Does anyone listen to what he says now? Is there any point in listening to what he's saying? Does anyone listen to Stuart Hooper? I mean... But what is Stuart Hooper doing? Yeah. He, he seemed to be able to create a position in what will be the new world where he is doing the same things he's currently doing, which is nothing by the looks of things. It's a really... I mean, that must be a really toxic environment because who are you there to impress? And you've also got the shame of having no wins. And I bet everyone's blaming it on each other now. Because you can't have that much talent in the squad and not be blaming it on someone. You just can't. You can't. At the start of the season, I spoke to a few of their players. And they were very much like, we are working really hard. We, are, we don't know what it is. We're trying re- really hard. It's just not coming off. I don't think you can be this deep into the season and say the same things. Well, it was mm. a record defeat to Gloucester. I, which is incredible, isn't it? Mm. I mean, is it one of many record defeats that they've had? <laughs> yes. They are breaking records this season. The, yes, they are. <laughs> The Unbelievables. So to to finish that, um, Bruce, Ed, Tarquin, if you need a director of construction, um, give me a call. Yes. You could, you could do that. Yeah. 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 I you, quite fancy that. You could probably do a bit of defence, uh, yeah, assistant defence coach at the same time. I, I can't be any worse. While I'm here, guys, director let me of take my hard hat off and put my boots on. Um, <laughs> defence yeah. coach. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, as for Gloucester, again, I, I just have to doff my cap and, and acknowledge how wrong I was at the start of the season, putting them at, what, 10th or 11th? I think I put them lower than that, yeah. And totally, totally wrong. Skivington has done a great job. He's and a- he's done it on solid foundations. And the, it, what's amazing is the solid foundations then allow the guys like yes. Chris Harrison, Thorley and Lewis Reece Summit his little nudge inside. So delicate. So... But, yeah, it allows those guys to do what they can do. Well, that's what's impressive about Gloucester is they're, they're where they are. They're in the top four, and they're in the top four not really showing everything that they've got because they've the, three-quarters of their tries have come from line-out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So when the pitch is firm up and when they really get the attacking game developing, and I think... And like, when Hastings beds in a bit when more. When Hastings beds in, exactly. And yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd Evans, who's been shifted to fullback, he's been brilliant. So they've got two yeah. fantastic tens... Yeah, you know, and where they were with Sippers, an issue Bath have now got on their hands and on their books. Yeah, um, something really special about this Gloucester team. You said that this is a record defeat from, uh, of Bath. This is, I mean, you wouldn't say the best world in the world. This is the best version of Gloucester. You know, they've had some cracking teams over the years. So for, yeah. th- for those boys to do this tells you that they are very well organised. They all, they all believe in each other. They're doing the right things. I keep repeating this stats, but last year they had more losing bonus points than anyone, which means they were in a lot <coughs> in a lot of games, yeah. either three point losses or seven seven point point losses, and they had an awful lot of them. Um, I, I love how Skivington has come in and added value, and I think there's far too many coaches who were basically freeloading, talking about all sorts of other things which were not rugby related. For instance, you know the whole Gustard way of doing things. And actually not adding to the rugby. Skivington's got a view of rugby. And fair play for Gloucester, to Gloucester, for having faith in the London Irish line coach mm. and making him the head man. Yeah, well, there's, there's a few things I really like. They've um, they've moved their training facilities right by the club. And mm. Yeah, uh, and there, there was 4G, 4G pitch, so they can use that. Just over the time. just over, over the road from the, from the ground. And what I like about that is uh, there was always an element when you go to Gloucester's training ground at Hartbury. There was no, almost an element you you were visiting Hartbury, not Gloucester. It's like they're, they're back in the town. Yeah. They, they open up some of their training sessions once a month for fans just to come in and watch. They've really built that relationship. I know pre-season it's, it's a bit of a culture thing, which you, you 
I think you'll even like this one. George Skivington has been getting his players to do presentations on various bits about the history of the club to, to the other players. Okay, not the worst, not which, the worst. Which I think is quite nice. Well, is it, it's not every week, is it? No, it's not every week. And there's clearly a bit of a relationship building between the the fans and the club. They're back in the town. They're mm. opening up the, the doors for training. And George Skivington was not a Gloucester man, but that's something he's really brought in. Also, I think what's really impressive now, you're starting to see the defence come through. Which was a under bit, Don Waldock. Under Don Waldock. Don yeah. Waldock. Yeah. And I think the most exciting bit, if I was a Gloucester fan, would be that um, it, it almost looks like whoever they pick, even the young guys in, that, that you might not have known about a year or two ago, you've got total confidence in, in yeah. them coming in and, and keeping at a certain standard. And I think that is a lot to do with preparing your young guys to play senior rugby. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said said for that. Make sure they know the base things like the cause but make sure that they're acclimatised make sure that they're comfortable in first team surroundings makes a huge difference yeah. Bath could learn a lot from Gloucester I think because Johan van Graan's coming in that's great it feels a little bit like uh, Todd Blackadder all over again doesn't it in a mm. way you know but anyway we, you, know, you can't judge him until he's until, yeah. until he's until he's arrived it would have been nice for him to have done for Bath to have done something like Wasps like Lee Blackett's another one I've got a tremendous amount of respect for not come from nothing as such, but he was just a Wasps attack coach. There must be loads of guys like Skivington and Blackett who just need an opportunity and will do a really good job. Yeah, yeah, intelligent, forward-thinking coaches yeah. who do things the right way. It, it can go really well, it can go poorly. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Just before we do that, yeah. can anyone think of an appointment like that that's gone really poorly? Uh, Paul Gustard. Yeah, Paul Gustard. Well, Gustard was it was a bit different because he was obviously Saracens. Then he was England for a period. Yeah, true. Yeah, so he's not. It's not like he was plucked from relative obscurity. I mean, there's hardly anyone I can think of who's who's come through the route of say Blackett, which is Championship and then attack coach. Hmm. I mean, everyone seems yeah. fairly well because the league's quite small. There's very limited opportunities to do this job. People usually go for a proven. Commodity. Uh, I'd be interested to see. I mean, in the NFL, there's a lot more coordinators that get head head coach jobs very, very quick. It seems in rugby, they seem just to recycle the same names and they poach from other leagues, particularly in the Premiership, because there's a lot more money. But I'd like to see them appoint more Blackets and Skivingtons. Hmm. Well, maybe with the success, relative successes of Blackett and Skivington, we will see a bit more. Yeah. Tell us, uh, tell us some other names we might have missed. I'm just thinking, I, I can't think of anyone besides Blackett, and there must be names. Who came through that championship route? That is almost that almost never happens. It doesn't, does it? And it's I mean, a shame. Ian, Ian Costello is a coach, not not director of rugby or a head coach. And he's at Munster now. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, is he head coach at Munster now? Back, no, Baxter obviously. Defensive. Baxter obviously yeah. was championship. Oh, he's in charge of the but academy. It's, it's Baxter's a very different route again. Yeah, Declan Kidney has been a coach for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, forever. CV. Dean Richards, Dean coach Richards forever. Team. Yeah, uh, uh, Jordan Thomas. There's one for you. Yeah, although. We, we, uh, I guess he did coach with Worcester in the championship, didn't he? No, he coached with Bristol. Did he? Yeah, he was, tra- oh, okay. maybe he was at Worcester. He, he might have done both. He's a player for Worcester, he's a coach at yeah. Bristol. Anyway, let us know. There'll be some we've forgotten at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Contact TedChasers at gmail.com. Construction Corner <laughs> Part 2, Phil. Um, I'll only mention this relatively briefly, but Kingspan Stadium, um, or Kingspan as a principal sponsor of Ulster, including the Kingspan Stadium. One of my favourite stadiums in all of rugby. Great stadium to go to. I actually got one of my Christmas presents was a um, a painting, picture of 
the Kingspan Stadium. Oh, fantastic. Oh, wonderful. Lovely, appropriate present. Mm. Delighted with it. Did it have dark skies, dark moody skies? It didn't actually. It, it did have um, like a... It was like a summer evening with like an ambery um, oh, hint to the skies. Lovely. Lo- lovely picture. So what's happened with, with Kingspan then? Well, Kingspan, Michael, Rear from Hull. Michael, Michael Gove, uh-huh. in his role as um, UK Secretary, for, uh, Secretary of State for levelling up housing and communities, okay. has written to Ulster... Hang on, is this to give him a grant to, imp- to increase the stadium? <laughs> as he's he, up? he said, what, what can I do to help uh, Belfast? You're doing such a good job there for the community uh, Ulster rugby in, uh, in, in a... Yeah, that sounds like a very yeah. Machiavellian thing. Machiavellian yeah, so what, what, what can we do to help? Success. What can we do to help? He has written to them to ask them to reconsider their um, sponsorship, the, reconsider accepting well, millions of pounds from Kingspan as a consequence of Kingspan's role in the Grenfell fire. Ah. Now, it, ah. There, are, there are two... I said, lots of things at play here, but two things... And I won't go into the detail of Kingspan, but Kingspan were not, they were not Lily White in Grenfell. It was not their product that caused the majority of the, the harm, but it, it allowed them to uncover some really um, horrible behaviours within um, Kings, Kingspan that have been addressed within that, that company. That's one thing on one side. There's so it, th- it, don't, it, it did not cause and would not have prevented. What happened happening? Yes, they they did okay. historically lie. They falsified or um, lied about okay. um, its fire test certificates for one of the products that was used, um, one of the Kingspan products that was used, albeit that was used in very small quantities, right. um, fa- less than 5%, without Kingspan's recommendation. Okay. Um, obviously obviously and awful and malpractice. Uh, horrendous, yeah. Not, and not- it not, could not, have had far worse consequences. It could have had terrible yeah. consequences. Yeah. It's fortunate that it didn't, from a Kingsman perspective. From a Kingsman perspective, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And, and from everyone's perspective. Yeah. But that has kind of been dealt with right. by Kingsman. Pe- okay. pe- heads did roll rightly so as a consequence of this. But now for Michael Gove to kind of the overreach to step in and say... It's government wrong. overreach, I don't believe <laughs> it. Remarkable overreach. A remarkable overreach to step in to Ulster, who are uh, the long-term um, benefactor of the Kingspan sponsorship, that has, will have had countless good for the community yes. of Northern Ireland, for None Ulster, for Belfast, whatsoever. Belfast. Like it's it's sort of like a man who doesn't understand council culture. It would it would make a lot more sense if Michael Gove wrote to Kingspan, say, "Don't sponsor Ulster," <laughs> right? Rather than writing to also say don't accept their money. Yeah, but, but also, it's, but also it's the wrong way round. Or also saying, uh, I feel so strongly about you having your name on a on a stadium that we are going to use the, uh, government funds to subsidise, and we want you to go away and never well, be yeah, seen again. Yeah. That, that, that would be it. You carry the water for us, please, because yeah, you yeah. know the punitive measures that we want to take, we're either not brave enough, or we won't pass legislation. But actually, or actually, what they're saying here is Ulster. Bite the hands that bite the hand that, that feeds yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. To turn down the millions of pounds that you've been given over a long now, period of time yeah. going forward. Now, my point would be: companies are amoral. They're not good. They're not bad. The people who work inside the companies, except pharmaceutical companies, they're, yeah, they're, they are very. They're, yep, they're, they're, you're absolutely right, Tim. Sorry, I overset the mark. Um, 
yeah, they're amoral. People inside the companies, they need to be held responsible for the actions that they, that they do. What is the what is the end game for Michael Gove here? Does he never want Kingspan to sponsor another sports team ever again? Does he want them to put no more money into the community game? Or does, he care if, does he care if Ulster can't keep the lights on? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I mean that's a good like if 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 the money from Kingspan is going to do genuine good for Ulster and the local communities, surely that is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if Ulster, if Kingspan came up with a package of you know compensation. Uh, for you know all the things that they've done wrong, if they've proven to do and to, to have done anything wrong, presumably a large part of this would be community engagement and you know money to charities and yeah. community projects. I mean that's like the most well-trodden path ever. And so does this now mean that other companies are not allowed to sponsor sports teams uh, who've done? Uh, I mean it's just such a stupid manoeuvre by him. It seems and crazy. I, I can't work it out. Yeah, it's just. Politics, but politics which have not been particularly well considered. That's that's what it seems. There, there, there probably is a bigger thing at play that I just yeah. have no awareness of. No, yeah. can't, can't even comprehend. But I'd be fascinated to hear what that is because yeah. it makes no sense from the seat that I'm sitting because in. From, uh, unless he's going to write, hey, don't accept money for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. Uh, does he want Kingspan just gone? Because in the scheme of things, Kingspan is actually a very important company to Ulster. The products that they make, the people that, that they employ... You know, you've got to be very careful before... Throw, I mean, you can throw the people and the executives underneath the bus, but Kingspan is much and, more than that. And what, mm. Exactly, as you said, there are lots of shady practices in lots of businesses. Where, where, um, where, where would that end if you started... Yeah. Uh, Michael Go. Every sponsorship deal has to go across Michael Go's desk to, to, to <laughs> yeah. decide whether he thinks they're. And again, it's it's, it's, it's the wrong way around. You'd understand if he wrote to Kingspan in height of the Paddy Jackson trial, which he didn't, by, 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 by the way, <laughs> uh, and say, you know, don't accept any any money. Now, are you sure way. you want your name associated with uh, yeah. with that? It's the he's got council literally council culture the wrong way around. <laughs> it, it, crazy, but. Um, yeah, we'll <laughs> what what can you do? So, if there's no uh, community coaches and outreach uh, in the future in in uh, the, the outside Gove. parts of Belfast, that that might be the reason. But we'll see. Yes. Anyway, like you say, Phil, there might be things we're not aware of. Yeah, uh, moving parts that aren't at play. But um, government overreach shocker is yeah. what it looks like at the moment. <laughs> A very similar story happened with, with Mercedes, didn't it? It did. Yeah, and, and Mercedes it, actually. Um, or turned down. They stopped. They ceased their long-term relationship with Kingspan, which is easy, isn't it? When you're Mercedes, Merce- yeah, Mercedes, and Toto Wolff is your director or your sporting director, or whatever it is, and Ineos is all over your car. Yeah, you know, when Jim Ratcliffe is writing your checks, by all means, turn people away. Yeah, but it's not quite the same, is it? When you're a rugby club, yeah, a rugby club in Ulster, who the game this week, which would have gone ahead with fans, didn't. So would have gone ahead with fans. Therefore. Um, would have been significantly revenue generating around Christmas time, and didn't go ahead as a consequence of COVID. Yeah, yeah. which is sad to see. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. But hey, there were games with games, games fans. And, and let's talk about the Harlequins one. because awesome that, that was absolutely epic. And 70,000 people or 72,000 t- tickets issued. Issued. I'm not quite sure there was... That many people there, as in not quite that, but the atmosphere looked bouncing. Yeah. yeah well, they're two good teams to watch. I mean, and two, yeah. What? What? And Wales had DJ Spoonie. Harlequins <laughs> have got Pete Tong. <laughs> Christ, is he still still around? Yeah. Yeah, he's. Um, I did see something saying that he's basically the same age as Chris Boyd, and they look slight, <laughs> <laughs> slightly, slightly, <laughs> aging slightly differently. Fair play Can to Twins on a brilliant event. Yeah, can you imagine Pete Tong answering uh, who wants me? Harlequin? Well, who? like Tim Westwood when he was on, he used to be on Radio One on a Friday night. He was in his sixties, I think. <laughs> He's going. Uh, yeah, I but can't remember what his catchphrase is. Westwood, Westwood, Westwood. <laughs> What's up, dogs? It was always yeah, <laughs> and it was always he had like broken glass sound effects. Oh yeah, and, and, and the horn, and the horn, shooting like pistols going so, off, pistols and so, sirens. Yeah, air horn. My old housemate in university, uh, it was a rather wealthy chap. And he had a flat around the back of Oxford Road. No, hang on. Oxford Street? Oxford Street, Street, Oxford Street in London. Oxford Street, yeah. Which is nice. And on the same floor as him was Tim Westwood's flat. Nice. I said, well, what's the other I don't know. I only ever talked to him about the bins. And <laughs> that, 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 that's as close as I ever got to Tim Westwood. Yo, we're going in, baby. <laughs> now drop the bomb. Oh, <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, he got into a shooting in a bloody petrol station. A man died. He's the son of a bishop. No, yeah. I yeah. did know. I did know that Bishop Westwood. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a delicious cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Get your hustle on, baby. <laughs> yeah, we're built for that. You must um, have Tim the circles that you uh, hang around. You've never, met, you never met him. Have you not? No, I've never met him. Westwood. <laughs> no. Um, so it was, it was Pete Tong kicked things off. Yeah. Then it was Harley Quinn's women who had a very good win, mm-hmm. and then. The main event. The now, uh, are you well, imagine, well, we're, we're going to differ it. on this. We, I yeah. know we're going to differ on this, JB. That kit, in fact, both kits. Oh, thank God, I thought you were going to say something else. Yes, talk about the kits. That's, <laughs> far, that's far, far better. Both kits are an abomination. I love them. I absolutely love them. I love olive. I love olive green. And I love uh, racing orange. Love it. Okay. So, uh, do you know what? I like the Osprey's version of it too. This oh, is, is this just you being contrary? No, I, I, I love that kit. I, I would like it. So I would, I would like it if it was some training gear. Yeah, I, I looked for some training gear. Tactical like. gear or something. Some training gear in those colours, I, I think, would be great. The fact that it's a, a match shirt for Harlequins and they're playing they're playing big game 13. 13. Yeah. They're playing big game 13 you, at, the, at the home of English rugby in that kit. It just it just it strikes the wrong chord with It's me. awful. Do you know what it reminds me of? Have you ever seen American Hunters and they wear like camouflage yeah, with yeah. the orange? With the orange, I mean, yeah. I don't see what the point is with the orange. <laughs> yeah, if that was in Kevlar material, yeah. I'm yeah. all for it. And exactly, it's, it's all futuristic and militarist. I, I love it. Yeah, but I, that has got a time and place, and it's when you're doing in, your in mus- the, muscle ups or your duck hunting and yes. whatever. What, those things fine in 
Twickenham. Quinns playing big game 13 against Northampton. The Saints of Northampton against the Quinns of the Stoop of and they yeah. have Twickenham. I mean, they have the most, one of the most iconic rugby shirts on earth. And let's not forget, it was only a few years ago we lauded their centenary 150-year well, no, uh, anniversary kit as the one of the greatest rugby kits ever produced. Yeah, that's true. Uh, look, I'm not saying it's better than the quarters. I'm just saying I like it. Yeah, different like, circumstances, I could definitely get on make, board with it. And this is a direct appeal to Quinns. Can you make a workout vest in that style? Now you're talking, yeah. Well, there you go. Awesome. I'd, I'd all right. be all over that. And we, we, it only overshadowed how bad that Northampton white jersey is as well. Yes. Because that is awful. I don't, I don't want to let Northampton get off the hook with that. Mm. I mean, they, they both, both teams produced a great game. Both produced terrible kits. Do yes. better. Do better. And you say both teams produced a great game. Northampton started brilliantly three tries in 15 minutes 21-7 and then it just they they scored three points for the rest of the game or six points for the whole of the rest of the game Chris Boyd's comment after the game was we need to stop being victims yeah I I can see that I I kind of see what he means that's a very punchy honest thought I I felt yeah he's got a job on his hands because I think this is the best version of the team that he has I don't think they get any better than this. I think they're not they're competent. They play broadly speaking like I think you'd hope that they play. They're just not good enough. I think he needs to, re- to rebuild and replace a lot of players. But what, so where would you replace? Because the type five is where it's at for me. Yeah, and there's a couple of guys I like. I like Ribbons. I like Matavesi. I've always quite quite liked Waller, but the combination, the performance is just. I think both. I think basically four new props would be nice. Um, get rid of the existing ones. You need another second row because, as much as I like, say his name for me. Happy Ratuni Yurawa. Yurawa. It's really hard to say that. Yeah. Happy Ratuni Yurawa. No, it's Yurawa. Rawa. Yes. I like him. I do like him. He's getting on a bit now, I think. What's he? He must be 30 something. Yeah, he's in his 30s. I just think that they need some someone bigger, better, badder. I like Moon. I like Moon though. So that's Moon, and, Moon and Coles are both okay, but Ribbons is, is Ribbons the, is legitimate. Yeah, really. Ribbons Ribbons is the top. He's lock. an enforcer number four. And, yeah, like and I think they need to make a decision on. I like Ludlam. I think it's Ludlum. four props. Ludlam. I love Ludlam, but I also love Harrison. I don't like them together. You can have one six foot uh, crazy. Well, it was man. all. Go- it was Laws. Ludlam Augustus. Yeah, and time. Wood came on for the last twenty. Yes, um, but when everyone's fit, they tend to have those those two together. And in my mind, Northampton like to go out with Laws, Harrison, Lud- Ludlam. Now I know they've got Augustus and Wismot. Yeah, I think Augustus now because he is a bigger lump. Yeah, I think they they will use him more and more as that go to eight. Yeah, and he's got he's got two to. tries. I just think they need. So I mean, you can't really. You can't replace Courtney Laws. You just can't. So yeah, you can't. He's there. Even so, I think they need another big-bodied guy in a big-bodied six in the back. Yeah, because in, in, in the back row. If you replace Laws, you've got Wood, who's getting on a bit now. Yeah. But he he has played six, seven, and eight for for England. Very good leader, good captain, very experienced guy. But he is at the end of his career. I, I think it is props and a mindset change. I, like Chris Boyd, fair play to him. He's stuck to his guns on this all the time. He, he, he maintains the scrum is just an opportunity to restart. It's not an opportunity to be a, an attacking weapon. That's not really how the premiership works. Well, I will say yeah. this. When I interviewed him, he, he said to me that 
in the Hurricanes, the thing which you would never compromise on is skills under pressure. Every single session, skills under pressure. I, I've got no reason to believe he doesn't still do that. He also said, when you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you have to understand you need a world-class set piece. Mm-hmm. I think he's at a, you know, a bit of a crossroads now. How does he, you know, what, what is it you leave out? Because you can't do everything. And I wonder if he's left out a little bit too much of the scrimmage, uh, scrimmage too much of the line out, and he needs to go back and. I well, think convert, convert. Naira Voro is not playing, and he gave him a massive amount of identity, and and his sheer presence, much like Nandolo for Leicester, creates opportunities for other people. Just convert him to a prop. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. Well, the, the prop, you're right. He is at a crossroads because he's put his faith in two relatively young English props in Aaron Painter and Paul Hill. Yeah, um, and they've not yet found they've not fulfilled their potential yet does he stick with them and hope that they do in six months 12 months 18 months two years or does he spend big money which is what obviously they tried to do with owen franks which was (coughs) unsuccessful that time around i would just say on this with hill he must be saying now for what four years and yeah. they're still waiting for him to be the four i thought he was going to be england's tight head i really did yeah i think in the loose He's probably up there with the best tight heads. Probably not the best, but you know, top three, top three in the loose. I'd say, but that's just not enough. It's not enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he's uh, been he's been there six years now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I remember him coming from Leeds. Great. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah th- 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 this guy's the future. Just not not there. Yeah. Uh, as for Quinns, um, fair play. They did Quinns things, and and that care Dombrant. Access is just deadly. And what yeah. was amazing was yeah, obviously really Marcus Smith drops out. Yeah. And Edwards, Edwards comes in and looked great. Looks which, like Marcus Smith. Which I guess it shows that when you've got um Dombrant care inside you and Esther Hazen outside you. Yes. You you've got guys that are doing everything. And when you've got in the back three, like Caden Murley took his tries brilliantly, Louis Liner took his try brilliantly, Tyrone Green has been just so good. Marching at thirteen is such a good back line that everyone knows their place. They all play well together. So Edwards just slotted in and can do the simple things that look brilliant when all the guys around him are ticking. Some awesome I think that I would be a pretty nifty, nifty ten with Care and Esther Hazen around me. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd look pretty good here. <laughs> you look great in that kit as well. Oh, imagine, imagine, <laughs> imagine how good you look. Uh, there's so, yeah, some good. great, some fantastic tries. Hat trick for Don Brandt, who. Just his reading of the game, that that one where it was the driving mall, Care went in to grab it. I think it was the one that put them in the lead. And Care just gives the pass. Yeah. With, barely without looking. Don Brandt had already anticipated. Yeah, the timing. The, the anticipation it. and the timing. Most players would have waited for Care to have plucked the ball out the back of the mall before they start running. Don Brandt's oh, already yeah. read you just know a, a couple of moves ahead about what's going to happen, and he's there. Yes, you, you just know when you play with certain players what they're going to do, yeah. and you know you'll have done this in in your career. But you know, I used to play with this number nine. Uh, won't, it, won't won't mention his name, um, but I just knew if I ran a certain angle around the corner and called his name, he would know when to lift the ball. And you can just see those sort of little connections now that they've been together for so long, uh, and that's what makes them so so incredibly dangerous. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, but no other. Pl- I don't think any other player on the park would have had that same anticipation and and reading of the game that Dombrant no, had for no, that try. I, I completely agree. When I watched it, I thought, exactly as you did, either someone would waited, 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 or they would have piled into the mall to try and propel the mall forward. Because you're only 
five yards from the line at that point. For Don yeah. Brandt to do neither of those two things and to see that the best option is, no, start running now because Kerry's going to retrieve and then the pop it, is on. Yeah. Was the nearest different level. The nearest rim player I can think of Don Brandt in terms of how he plays. Wait for it and let me explain it. Maratoji. Mar- because Dombrot reads attack like Mario Atoji reads defense. defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that. Like you just see Mario Atoji, oh yeah, I'll just go and get that ball. Well, why would you? Why would you make that decision? Because I can go and get it, and no one else sees it. They just make it look ridiculously easy and natural. In in, in a different way in attack, but Chris Ashton when he was at his absolute oh, inside support lines. Yeah, the way he would basically know where the gap in the defense is and be running the line, the support line, way ahead of when anyone else would read it, and so he's always there on the shoulder. And this, actually, in the same way that Anton Dupont does it Yeah, 100%, now, yeah. He's always... You, know, you do it, you watch Anton Dupont do it a few times, and you think, oh, maybe it's just coincidence. And then you watch it game after game, and he is there as the support, like, running the support line for the break to finish off the try. Which you cannot defend, because he is reacting to everything and all the parts that are moving in... in um, uh, minute detail and at a very fast pace. He, he's just reacting to what's evolving, and they're the special players. And he's, that's, he's re- reacting yeah. before it's happened. Before it's that's happened, that's why he's in such a good yeah. position because he knows what is going to happen. He's like a, it's like when you play chess. Like the, the good chess players can can see the patterns and and re- and read where you might be in half a dozen moves. Time. I'd love to see uh, Harlequins going by Anton Dupont or Toulouse going by uh, Marcus Smith. Marcus Smith or Edwards. Or <laughs> same, same. Or yeah. Jonathan Birdmore. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Oh, yeah. Oh, if they give me Esther Hazen as well. You've got to deal. <laughs> yeah, great game. Um, shame that Northampton fell off in the end. Quinns fell off motive. after 15 minutes. Yeah, i tell you what the most egregious moment of that game was for Northampton. Was it the second or third Don Brunt try? Did he get two tries? Three. 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 The third one, then. It just picks it off the base. Yeah. And just runs oh, in. yeah. that was And that was the try... So until that point, obviously that finished the game, but Northampton were still getting a losing bonus point, and had prior to that they scored another try, they would have got well two losing bonus points definitely, but potentially a draw as well, and that makes the scoreline actually look worse than it was. Yeah, but it was so easy because he just picks up and flops over the line. That was ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. I would say it again. It was. It ridiculous. was ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Um, Bristol Leicester. Yeah, Genshball. Good game this was. This it was, was a, some game. It was an entertaining game. This because I guess both teams are bad. That's what I would say. Uh, particularly the first half, it was. What do you mean bad? I think like bad to the bone. Yeah. So <laughs> They're nasty. Is that what you mean? No, not really. I don't, I don't think anybody else in in the that that would would refer to Leicester as bad. They were bad. Yeah. So I this is the worst I think Leicester have played probably all, all season in terms of the actual game. They clearly want to beat teams by kicking the ball away, making the other team make the decision and losing the territorial battle, or turning them over and winning the penalty. I think the, it's the way Saracens established their dominance. Correct, yeah. That's clearly their game plan, and they're very, very good at it. So they couldn't really get their claws into the Bears quite as they'd hoped. And they found themselves in some really tricky situations. So they had two attempts in the Bears' 22 to convert into points. And actually, they ended up getting defended all the way back to the 10 metres twice. So there were some warning signs there. Is, well, not warning signs, but they couldn't impose the game that they wanted to on Bristol. Now, the problem you've got is when you play with some very tight margins, 
and you're not slowly pulling away. You know, you're grinding these threes uh, from the penalties, and you get the odd uh, roll and wall try. A mistake can cost you dear, and that's exactly what Bristol Bears did. Is they forced a mistake. In fairness to them, they picked up the ball and they scored. I think they did that basically twice. So, so for the Randall, uh, Randall no, the, the harder, yeah, Randall break to Lloyd, yeah, which was a trick by Maroney on Lloyd. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I didn't, I didn't notice. So that. when Randall makes the break, Randall bounces uh, Nandolo, obviously, yep. yeah, standard, offloads or passes out wide to Lloyd. Lloyd steps inside Maroney. Maroney trips uh, and Lloyd. If Fitzharlin doesn't score there, next phase... Yellow card time. Yellow card penalty try. Yeah. It, and it, I think it probably would have been. So it actually would have been a better result for um, Bristol had they not have scored then. Mm. But yeah. fortunately, well, fortunately for Leicester, Bristol did score. Yeah, so there was that try. I think, I think the second try the Bears got was... was well, one of the most bizarre bits of officiating that I've seen. I mean, Leicester are so dominant in the scrum, they just smash over Bristol. Now, the laws say you must attempt a strike, and there was an attempted strike, but it wasn't a good strike. So Montoya lifts his leg, then puts it back up and then drives away. It is a free kick. It is a free kick. But Leicester, you see, plays the whistle. They're celebrating. They think that they've won a penalty. I think they've won a penalty. Everyone thinks that they've won a penalty. But hats off to Bristol for being super aware, picking the ball and scoring. You can't yeah. argue that. You've got to do it. And you you see there the value of Randrandra because he beats two players, yep. then sucks in two more, and then just offloads. To yeah. So on that, there's four players on I the floor as a consequence of Randrandra. But I do, yeah. He did do that, but he's also dropped the ball again. And I was watching him, and Pietau was the same. Pietau, uh, in a lovely attacking position, just spills the ball forward. I mean, I, I think Randrandra. I would sign him, but not for that price. Uh, you know, every, I'd sign everyone in the Premiership. Well, but not gonna be, everyone's got a price. Peter's yeah. going to be leaving, and Randrandra will be the marquee player. So he won't be mm. in the salary cap. Is he not already the marquee player? Yeah, he's, he will be one of two. But next season they're only having one, and it will stay as Randrandra. So and I think Peter's go, going. Yeah, mm. I mean, he's a lot of money to be. I mean, he's still very, very good. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Both of them are exquisite. On well. But they make mistakes. Oh, that, that's, that's just a rumor. That's the rumor that Pietel's going. Has that been confirmed not, or said? Not Nick Dolly. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, let's talk about the last four minutes. And again, George Ford just doing George Ford things. George Ford's... Uh, well, here's the thing for you. I don't know if you agree or not. But George Ford, incredible. Uh, he's been incredible for a long time for Leicester. A few years ago, we were saying that he's the only thing Leicester that is worth that is worth watching. I don't think it's enough. I think they need a second a second playmaker. And... Every time they had the ball in the, in hand, except for that one time when they needed to, and Nick Dolly stood up and scored. Well, he didn't give the pass to the score. Um, I think Leicester need a second pair of hands because if it's not in George Ford's hands, it's a mess. It, and it's not a mess, it's just static. And then they make mistakes, and that's how Bristol got, got into the game. If they were a bit tidier going forward and had a little bit more of a uh, settled approach, they probably would have shut Bristol out. Who were Saracen centres when they established their dominance again? It was Brad Barrett, Brad Barrett, um, yeah, Marcelo Bosch, Marcelo Bosch. So it's very much in the Saracens' mould, isn't but it? They had Good at fifteen. Good yeah. at fifteen is a playmaker. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And do you know what they did with? Uh, and everyone does this now, so it's not like a big deal. But they used to use Barrett a lot at first receiver, just for that easy pass, just to burn his burn a pair of hands. And then they've got Farrell doing things at second receiver, and also Farrell did start a little bit at twelve because they had. Is Nils Mortem? Is, yeah. is that the fly half? Is that he the was, flanker? He was a fly half. Fly half Nils Yeah, Mort. yeah. They had him and they had someone. Else. Oh, and Hodgson for and for Hodgson too. A period. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, interesting. Uh, well, 
But you're all hey. right. Fundamentally, they were they were not a creative team. No. But you know, they, they even they had two two pairs of hands. I don't very well organised mm. and very powerful. Yeah. I think I think it is a fair point that Leicester probably do at times miss that second pair of hands. Like maybe maybe Freddie Stewart will get there, but he needs a needs a bit needs needs a bit more what experience. I, what I love about Leicester is it's you know what can you achieve with with rugby even if you don't have the greatest players and that's what they do it's the organization it's the passion it's the commitment uh, Steve Borthwick's got them believing in things not because you know of some ho- uh, hocus pocus psychology stuff but because it's you know <coughs> just rugby it's and just, also in in the very best way they are horrible they're horrible they are nasty nasty men and i love it oh, and watch watch their mall setups it is a thing to behold the movement the accuracy montoya is ace montoya is one of the best players in the Premiership. Montoya and Dolly are two of the signings of the season. Yeah. They're brilliant signings. And the value compared to hookers of the last few years from Leicester yeah. is astonishing. Yeah. The way, I mean, we spoke about this upstairs, the way that Montoya, and actually Dolly was very good at the start of the season, which is keeping himself hidden, but the way Montoya finds himself on the edge of a mall. Sneak, is sneaking round. Yeah. And he sneaks it back round. It's, it's so... For that try. It's so obvious. You think that must be illegal. Uh, yeah. you know, it's like watching the, the scorpion or the or the crab. It's, it seems like an yeah. unfair advantage for the man with the ball just to say, "Right, I'm going to go just go, go over here now, away from all your prying hands." Yeah, but yeah, it's um, it wasn't Leicester's best performance. It probably was Bristol's best performance, and it still wasn't enough. And I don't think Leicester Tigers will ever lose a game in again. Ever in the future of rugby, yeah, until they get relegated. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, because they'll win everything. They won everything yeah. then, but yeah, they'll be getting relegated. Um, can we just talk about the last try for a second? Yeah, because cool. Leicester were down to fourteen men because Jasper Visa was still off from that yellow card, yeah. um, which is stupid. Jasper Visa is such a good player, such an aggressive player, but he just every now and again does something needless and stupid, like clat- clattering him to Sheedy after she. There was no way he was going to get Sheedy before the ball. He should have changed his direction, should have not touched him, and he just clatters into him. Yeah. Anyway, Guy Porter, wearing 23, is packing down on the blind side of the scrum at the start of that phase. He is. 12, 12 phases later, and Leicester have... What was remarkable about, about it was Leicester make 10 yards forward, then lose 20 yards back because of aggressive Bristol defence then make another 10 yards forward, then lose 10 yards back, and then eventually, after 12 phases, create the three-on-two with some lovely forward hands and Freddie Stewart basically doing what Randrandra had done for the Lloyd try, which was drawing in two defenders and offloading to Dolly, yep. Dolly to Guy Porter, easy try, game one. But for them to... When that phase started, Guy Porter was the blind side of the opposite wing... And because there's, they've only got 14 players on the pitch, you could have drawn a 10-metre circle around that scrum and 13 of Leicester's 14 players were in that. And then to go from that condensed position 12 phases later to have stretched it with fewer players so that you have a numerical advantage on the opposite side of the pitch in that pressure was quite remarkable. It was an yeah. incredible finish to the game. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Basic, basic skills done under remarkable pressure. And that's yeah, literally. I mean, if, for that, for them to break the Bristol line in that situation only once in the game, and that's four minutes after the, after time had gone. 
Hot. Yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking for Bristol. But yeah. What, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's the kind of game that Bristol, well, last season would have won. This season, they are just not. But they, they're a lot closer in this than they have been in a lot of the games. Yeah. But I then think, it comes back to a point that you made um, a few weeks ago, Jay, that um, Leicester are not smashing anybody. They are just getting the wins. They are just grinding out under what seems to be difficult circumstances against pretty much everyone. Yeah. What they're doing is they're controlling how the game is played, I think, because the kicking game is so good, uh, because the more game is, is so good, the set piece is so good. It, it makes a huge difference. By the way, Sinclair, for the most part of Saturday, was it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday? They played? Sunday. Sunday. Got a good hiding from... No, it was Saturday. <clears throat> Saturday lunchtime. No, Saturday Sunday. was, Saturday was Saturday Christmas Day, wasn't it? <clears throat> oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it was Sunday, yeah. Because yeah, the, yes, the Quinn's right. game was the Monday. Quite right. Signal got a, a proper Gen, hiding. Genge had the upper hand. I mean, the, the Leicester scrum had the upper hand massively. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a few <laughs> other interesting things about Leicester, which is obviously Visa didn't start. They are loving Rafael at the moment. He is well, playing some outstanding rugby. Visa didn't start. Liebenberg... Uh, Kyle Brink is going back to the Bulls, is it? Yeah. Going back to South Africa. He's got an early so release. Martin and Raphael Ref- are, considering how young they are, are playing great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Martin gives you some great line options too. Yeah. Uh, as for Bristol, I think that we might be seeing a bit of the future of Bristol on the, on the field, how they need to go about getting back to winning ways. I don't think it's going to be quick. I don't think they're going to be... I don't think they'll be a winning team. They, will, they certainly won't win it more games than they've lost this season. I, th- I think that's that's fine. I'm not sure they'll be a good team next season. But I think the future of their side has to be people like Fitzharding, people like Sam Jeffries. And it's made me think that the good premiership teams coming through now are going to be the ones that, like Leicester Tigers, are going very, very young and promote from within. And if you want to make some signings, you've got to be signing the absolute biggest internationals. You can't be messing around overpaying for solid pre- solid premiership pre- 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 players. My feeling that is... It kind of has been Bristol's approach. It has, minus all the Fijians. And also, you know, they've got a few signings coming in next season. Uh, but I think, well, you know, they've got a great academy. There's no yeah, yeah. They've got a really yeah. good academy. Pinch, yeah. Pinching players from other clubs will just become... I don't think anyone's going to do it eventually. And I mean, maybe someone runs out of contract and you pick them up. But I can't see anyone aggressive. I can't see many players getting to the point now that they are going to be released by clubs if they're of any value. Well, Well, it it depends on, like you say, if there's a good young player coming through, you might go, actually, we can kind of, we could probably get away with, I guess, uh, Leicester's a great example. They've got, um, uh, oh no, Joe Hayes is a tight head, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yeah. Who's it? Yeah. Anyway, I was thinking. I was thinking Joe Hayes coming through. Actually, we can let Ellis Genge go. But if they if they decided to go, do you know what, Dan Cole? We're we're happy well, if you if you go. That'd be all right. Carl Brink could be a good example. Great, great example. Yeah. yeah. If Mar- George Martin and Rafael had turned out to be so good that well, they planned on having four massive South African back rows. They can get away with three massive South African back yeah. rows. And if they bring a couple more lads through, they can windle that down and to two. Yeah. Basically, be playing a South African back row at ten next year as well. So <laughs> you know, more of the same. Uh, what else was there? Because Sale obviously uh, got a for, for the battle for the king in the north. They, um, <laughs> Just not the same now, though, is it? No, it's not the same. Not the same. But uh, it's good to see Sale um, 
living by their old traditions and partying in student halls <laughs> once again. Yeah. yeah, must be. Yeah, that's the only reason. That's yeah. it, that, that, looking back on that, that seems ridiculous now, doesn't it? I tell you what. When people were up in arms about yeah. that. Uh, yes. They were with students. They were partying with students. Are we responsible? Prove it. Yeah. Losers. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's talk about Sale Sharks, who didn't play. There's, there's no way I can just pan Bristol without basically saying exactly the same thing about. Well, we don't need, but they, we, they haven't played, so you've done it when they've played. So let, let's let's not go over well, ground we've already covered. Unless it's I know, new. but this is kind of important, right? So it's the, sale trap, so it is yeah, important. They've put themselves in a situation where they really needed that that win. They've only got three wins, only three wins, same as Bristol. And you know, if you think Bristol have got problems rebuilding because they've got a few Fijians, well, you know, Sale have got one or two guys who are not necessarily. 100% from the northwest. I think they're in just as bad a situation as as Bristol and I think it's going to get worse. We missed out on the Ferns bowl. Yeah. yeah. I'm not entirely I'm not entirely sure that they win this game up in Newcastle. Newcastle are legitimately very very good. Very well organized, very well drilled. They've got a big hard pack. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll have a, you'll have a plenty of chance to dissect sale after the Exeter game this coming mm. week. Exeter game. No. Sale Exeter. At the no, weekend. it's Bath Exeter. No, it's not it's Bristol Exeter, isn't it? Who have Sale got then? Uh, Sale Exeter, I thought. Good question. We have got... I just... English Premier League. Oh, no, no, hold on. I've got, I've got that wrong, haven't I? So I seem to think it's Sale Wasps. Sale, Sale Wasps. Wasps. Sorry, Exeter my bad. Bristol. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I knew my bad. Uh, Bristol needs to get back on the horse this week against uh, Exeter. Exeter, good luck. Uh, was there another game? Or was... Yes, yeah. um, Exeter. there was... Exeter had a bye week. Ah. Saracens hosted Worcester. That's right. And it was 61... Sixty-one twenty-eight. It finished. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Saracens have swapped Northampton. Sixty-one twenty-nine. Yeah, they've, yeah. S- they've swapped Northampton for Worcester for the team that they pan when they need to. Yeah. Hit reset. Well, I mean, can I say that at least it's good they scored twenty-nine points against Saracens? Nah. Well, so no, you can't. Can you? You're right. There, You're there, right. There are positives to take out of this. They got, but in the end, they got five tries. They scored their fourth and fifth. I think they scored their. Second, third, fourth and fifth in about the last 10 or 15 minutes because Saracens had basically given up and they were already in Oktoberfest in spirit, if not in body. <laughs> um, they did, there was a couple of positives from Worcester and it's, they're six and seven. So Ted Hill was playing seven and Hatherall, Kyle Hatherall was playing six, who's... Is he a big strong boy? They're both big, strong boys. They're both <coughs> six four, six five. Lovely. Uh, best part of eighteen stone, each of them. And as we saw later on in the game, both of them have a turn of pace. Both are quite explosive and were running in the open field and set up a couple of tries between them. They're the positives. Besides this, Saracens, their game out wide was too good. Mm-hmm. Their tight game was too good. Their defense was too good. Their kicking corners, they just. It's too good. They were too good. They've, they've re-signed the Vanapolis. Yes, that was. A sh- I'm surprised. I, I did not see that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm. I am surprised at that. Can I just say something about Worcester? Right, I, I, they are making strides. There's no two, no two ways about it. They are making strides. The media team there. You cannot put on your own twi- Twitter account. So it, it says something like, "Inevitably, Saracen score again." Your men are on the Worcester side. Like you can't put that. You can't sound re- resigned on your own Twitter feed. What score was it at that stage? Because if, if that's it's like, honest, if that's the third try, just shut it down. If just close it down. If it's the eighth try, like, <laughs> I have that picture. Do you know that picture of um, of the girl 
with the chalk and the and the clown. Yeah, yeah, the, the old um, that used to be the the little holding yeah, card yeah, on the yeah. telly when, the when it was off air. Just, just uh, you know, when when you've conceded forty points, that's all that your Twitter, your, yeah. your Twitter budget. You go, like for that. any more updates, go to at Saracens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's yeah. Now, just if I said to you at the start of the season, there's going to be a cluster of teams: Sale, Bristol, Bath, and Worcester. Where do you think that they would be? Well, if you'd said the top, the, the first three of those, I'd say in the top four. When you throw Worcester into the mix, then, my yeah. spidey senses will start tingling. You might just think, wow, Worcester really turned the corner. Yeah. The Sale Sharks were our, I think, our favourites to finish top, top, top yeah, of the you, table. I think you two both. I, I actually. I definitely picked them top two, maybe first. I did not have Sale in my top four. I had a, Brist- I had a Bristol top four. I, I mean, Brist- my, our I prediction. Had top four. Pr- I, mean, I had Bristol I, I, to I win it. I want to burn those predictions over there. Right yeah. Now. Unfortunately, the audio record of it will last forever. Forever. I, I picked Bristol to win. I was certain that I picked Sale to win. Apart, I, I picked Sale to win the Premiership this year. You both did, I think. Yeah, we did. I mean, just say if I said Sale, Bristol, and Worcester will be in a group of three. You're like, oh wow, wow, wow. Really well. Worcester really overperformed this year. Yeah, yeah. Not the other two. Not the other two have underperformed to that level. Uh, yeah, which um, kind of goes back to my point. Some questions need, need to be asked about Sale soon. Yeah. Very soon. Although, I've got another thought. And it's not about sale. Okay. But in general. I wonder if our new rugby reality, the new normal, if you like, Tim, is fans have got to get used to being really bad one year and then really good the next year and then really bad again. Because everybody is spending to... If, if, if this salary cap stays low and everyone spends up to it, it's perfectly conceivable, in my mind, that teams could get old from one season to the next. They could get figured out from one season season to the next. A coach can make an impact. Well, let's I mean, let's see how Exeter get on this season because Rob Baxter has been like the Bill Belichick in the NFL. In the NFL, <coughs> excuse me, in the NFL. Yep. Where, in spite of salary cap scenarios and the turnover of players, managed to always put a competitive team out on the Not field. Not Mark McCall, no. Um, I chose Rob Baxter because he he did it from when they got promoted to that the is European true. champions, and, and also and year after year after Mark year. Mark McCall and Farrell. There's a bit yeah. more Brady Belichick. Yeah, that is more Brady. But yeah. Mark McCall did it at least on three years by circumnavigating the salary cap. Mm. No, I'm not saying which that was I Mark only McCall's ca- I only count decision. that in the Premiership. He still, they still went yeah, on yeah. Europe three times, which is yeah. phenomenal. So yes, I would say Mark McCall as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's why it's even more impressive when a team has a sustained period of success. Yeah. And yes. uh, the last game, which we forgot about, uh, Zebra Benetton. No. Wasps, Hammering. Wasps London Irish. Oh, yeah. Good win for Wasps. Absolute clowns London Irish. They yeah. are absolute clowns. Like, <laughs> they are so... I, some days I wake up and I think, yeah, do you know what? My top four prediction for London Irish looks really good. And then they do this. I didn't see any, I didn't see any of this game. Tell me about They're it. your team. Um, Creevy can't stop scoring. Creevy, well, when Creevy. was the game? Saturday yeah, afternoon. There you go. I was working. They, they, they yeah. just, they, Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. I was working. Yes. I was working. London <laughs> Irish, or they just play like a really, really good level six third team. You know, do you know, like they've got, all, they've inherited all the players, all the ex first teamers. They're there for a bit of a laugh. They throw it about. They can score hundreds of tries if they want. They're not that bothered. On paper, defending. this would have been one of the, one of the games I'd want to watch. In fact, the game at Brentford Stadium towards the end of last season, it might have even been the last weekend or penultimate, was an absolute belter of a game. Yeah, mm. was this one equally this was, entertaining? It was entertaining, good game. Wasps, I think, always look comfortable. London Irish got a couple of late tries to make it look more respectable. What was the Umunga red card for? Do you know? Not seen it. Uh, okay. 
Um, the hookers, Frost and Creevy, got four tries between them. <laughs> <laughs> Both got a brace. Um, I bet Dan Frost is like, this premiership stuff is easy. Easy. Like, how have, easy. I not, how have I not made hundreds of thousands of pounds for premiership rugby? It is so easy. Nick, Do- Nick Dolly, Dan Frost. Yeah. There's, there's, there's quite a few players that have just stepped straight in and gone, yep. Yeah. yeah, those I'm, two, I'm massively. To the, to the man of born. How old is Dan Frost? Go on, be 32. I'm going to guess 24, 25. Yeah, I th- that'd be my guess as well. I mean, Nick Dolly's still only 22, isn't he? What? Yeah, yeah. Well, Nick Dolly's been around, around, yeah. around for so long. 24-year-old uh, Frost. Uh, what fixtures have we got this season? There, there was more games called off in the URC. And, and yeah. Is it going to be... Oh, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole. Let's just touch on it, though, because I think it might be one that rears its head. Is it going to be... I'm thinking of European competition and the Six Nations in, in a few months' time. Is it going to be especially awkward to fulfil fixtures in other countries? Yes. Uh, France? Probably. There's, there, there could well be some uh, sporting exemption, which kind of we did see that in the... Early, I want to say the early days, but when sport uh, resumed in summer of 2020, there were relaxing of fixtures for sports teams because there was more testing, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You might be able to get away with it. Who knows in France? But also, uh, am I right in saying there, there are going to be some rugby players who, in about a week or two, about a couple of weeks' time, will not be allowed to play professional rugby in France? Yes. Po- yeah. So the regulations say... You cannot play rugby in France if you're not vaccinated, professional or otherwise. And also people can't go and watch it. Or, or otherwise. Correct. What? So it's not, yeah, it's not just professionals, Tim. I anyone. mean, professionals is abhorrent, in my opinion, yeah. doing that. Um, professionals or otherwise. You can't so play you rugby. can't play amateur rugby at your local club? That's how I read it. Oh, my God. I mean, you know. I wouldn't be enforcing it, but still. <laughs> wow. I know. As it? the commissioner, you, you're not going to enforce this. No, I would not be enforcing this. Um, it, but it's awkward because of what, course, what would you? Okay, let's just pl- play this. Let's, get, let's <laughs> play this out. If 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 the UK government turned as fascist as the French one is, uh-huh. all, um, all bad all bad ideas start in France. But yeah, yeah. If the UK government um, champagne, that was a good idea. Yeah, I mean, geez, I, I, yeah, I can imagine yeah. it coming into Wales on Scotland first. Hundred um, percent. But if if uh, if in England it went. Um, uh, full authoritarian, like they've clearly gone in France. And Toc H, would you, what what would you do as as a man who puts a team out on the field on a Saturday? Well, the problem is I wouldn't be allowed in that team probably because I'm not vaccinated. Well, you don't you don't have to say that. No, I don't mind saying it. It's, 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 um, no, it's no one else's business. Which no, is kind of my which is kind of my point. If I was running a team, I would I think I would say it's absolutely none of my business what any of these players choose yeah. to do. That's between them and their doctor, and I'm not going to be the person saying yeah. you can, you can, you can't. If I was in that situation, that's exactly the exactly the stance I would because part of rugby, my relationship with my players and my friends is more important than you know uh, adhering to RFU rules and laws. Simple as that. I always say that. I have no problem. Do you know when people get really angry, like, oh my god, he covered up for his friend? It's like, is that not what friends are for? Like, that's literally. I can never get angry about that kind of. That kind of cover up. So yeah, I would happily. Or you stand next to your friend and go, "This isn't right. This isn't fair. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to have any part in this." Yeah. Or you do have a part by covering it up. So either or. Mm. That's just outrageous. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, it's um. World's gone insane. Yeah, it's it's pre- it is pretty insane. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> but you know, look, this will be looked at uh, looked at as a case study. Is how you. 
as to how you don't persuade people to do things. And I, I don't think it's going to help vaccination rates. It's not going to help people well, who who need vaccinations, because well, many people need so vaccinations. According to, there's, a, there's an article on The Telegraph here that suggests that 98% of French or professional rugby players in France are vaccinated. So if they're worried, if they're mandating it for the extra 2%, that doesn't make any sense. Well, okay, so the, the problem here comes not for French players. I mean, there will be some French players this is a problem for, but it will come for well, in, England. Yeah, yeah, any nations. players who are coming across. So the RFU are rapidly trying to find out, can Henry Slade tra- travel and play? Or can someone else? It's no, right, Henry Slade actually volunteered because of his diabetes and because of... Uh, Adverse reactions, uh, bad reactions to vaccines yeah. in the past, which is a, a, a absolutely well. I don't, you don't need a reason, and I don't care what your reason is. It's absolutely none yeah. of my business. But Henry Slade did volunteer that information. But fundamentally, it's not the RFU's business. It's not anybody's business what anyone chooses to do. So Henry Slade came and volunteered it. But if there are other players in the England squad who are in the same situation, it's it's awful you, that 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 becomes public um, property. They're private. Yeah, it's, well, I just find it all so know, distasteful. I, in, in terms of rugby values, so-called rugby values, I hate talking about rugby values, but one of the values of rugby is standing with your mates. I mean, I would be tempted not to fulfil the fixture yeah. if I was England. You, I'm, you, I'm with you. You can either have us all come over, yeah. or none of us. I wouldn't fulfil yeah. the fixture. I actually completely agree. And it's not, and some people would say it's it's equating two things which are on totally different levels, and I, I can acknowledge that there might be a disparity in the... Uh, in in the levels of this, but the principle is the same. It's the same as when you said we're not going to tour South Africa while apartheid was in. in yes, yeah. uh, it's yeah, the principle um, is important, and I, I'm 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 tempted to go, to go along with you. And I, I can imagine there would be England players who, uh, yeah, that would send out a bloody message, wouldn't it? Just and, and I would be really proud of rugby if they actually said that. No, we're not we're not playing ball on this, literally. Mm. We'll well, see. we'll see. I can't see it. I mean, I just can't see it being. I, I, I can, mate. I can see. I can see it, it can getting see a lot worse. France. Yeah, I can see it in France being enforced. And if if the French are doing it, then other people will want to do it. Drakeford will be rubbing his hands. Yeah, exactly. And Sturgeon. Well, yeah. that, that, I mean, that's one story that that tickled me, and it were it would be funny if it wasn't so tragic and utterly ridiculous. Is Caffili Rugby Club, who were following the following the new rules by uh, by Mister Drakeford. In Wales, and so had a crowd of fifty people watching Caffili's Welsh Premiership game, and had a hundred and fifty people in the clubhouse watching on a big screen, in which, which they were streaming the game to. Oh, tell you what, Wasps did. No, 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 no. So, so just, yeah, just so that, yeah. So, so that's following the following the rules. The rules yeah. Following the rules, they they were limited to fifty people watching, watching the game outside outside in their stands. They had one hundred and fifty people uh, in their clubhouse watching the game. It was happening right behind them, but it had to be streamed on a screen. Yeah. It's just absurd. So Wasps, um, when they made the semi-final, they had the home semi-final, didn't they? They finished second. Yes, against Bristol. That's right. So they had to get. I don't know if you, you've been to Wasps. Yeah, uh, got, to, yeah, I've not been to the. So the, the so the corporate hospitality bit of Wasps is awesome. Yeah, and they got all these tables, and then <laughs> they had to close the windows overlooking the pitch so people couldn't see. Yeah, onto, onto blinds pitch, down, and then put and put it on the screen so they could pack out hospitality. Yeah, but yeah. No, no one in stadiums, and it's it's rules like that that just contradict. Well, they contradict common sense. That yeah. It just makes a mockery of the whole thing. And, and that's why people don't listen to them. Yeah, 100%. You, you just you discredit the rules that do make sense by the 
the dozens it seems that just yeah. make no sense. Um, I'm and I cannot and and would not encourage uh, breaking of rules because I, I I can't because of the position I'm in. I but, but I would totally understand it if people said this is ridiculous. I am not going to do it. And if if theoretically enough people of their own volition not me advocating it, I am not advocating it, <laughs> said, this is utterly ridiculous, doesn't make sense, I'm ignoring it. If enough people did, then it's that, unenforceable. Isn't the scary thing about the pandemic how people just enforce their own rules? How we, you, know, you don't really necessarily need a police force or not. If it's a sign- Yeah, were you waiting for that announcement the other night before you made your no. plans for New Year? No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And if you were, then... I, I, it, in the kindest way possible, you probably need to have a little look in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. My, do you know what my favourite um, jibe is when people say, see, say um, oh, you're not an epidemiologist. And I'm thinking, like, who says that? I mean, two years into the most severe crisis of our of our lifetime, probably the, mo- the, big, the biggest crisis since the Second World War, but two years in, if you've not read anything yet about this situation, uh, I think that says more about you than it does me. If you're still <laughs> trying out, you're not an epidemiologist or you're not an expert, it says far more about you than it There's does There's been about quite me. a few epidemiologists that have been horrifically, like, wrong again and again and again. So that's that's no justification just to take someone's point of view. Yeah, like, oh yeah, anyway, let's, let's not go there. But, uh, yes, hopefully we can have a Six Nations. Uh, please. And hopefully we can have a Tier 2 tour. I yeah. don't think we're having seats. We, t- we need to. There's no way we need to make a decision if it's on going, location. If, it, if it's going like this, it's going to be bonkers. We, well, what, what, what we may have to do is just say we're going to be in this city on this date, and and maybe sca- just Why anyone you- anyone that's there, you're with us, and we'll have a, gr- a great time. But but it's hard to plan and like booking a venue and paying for a venue and paying for equipment only for at the last minute it all to be pulled and we lose all that cash. Well, we could go to somewhere like Plymouth Albion. <laughs> or tier two, like a different tier two. Yeah, we could watch a whole Super Saturday. <sighs> Madrid or Lisbon for me. I know, I know. I, that's Madrid, what I Madrid or Lisbon. We could, I mean, we could circumvent all the rules and sail the Phyllis Mabel down there. <laughs> Is she going to be seaworthy? <laughs> I mean, it'd take, it'd take a little, you know, maybe we crowdfund it. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll tell actually, you what, Phil, have a look at the um, what the Super Saturday weekend. Just look at the championship fixtures as a fallback position. That Because if there's a great... Oh, the champion, yeah. If there's a great, like, if it was uh, Ealing versus, um, what are the other big contenders? Versus Doncaster, let's say. Uh, if, there was a, if there was a massive game like that on the Super Saturday weekend on the Sunday... Well, we nearly went to Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That might be a shout. Hmm. We could go uh, to the the place where Golden Wrists had his uh, yeah little Golden Fisty Cuffs, Wristy Cuffs, Wristy Cuffs, very good. <laughs> right. So the final weekend, nineteenth of March, we have Cornish Pirates, Amptill, Coventry versus Jersey, Ealing versus Richmond, local-ish derby. Um, Hartbury have got a bye. London Scottish versus Bedford Blues and Nottingham versus Doncaster. So uh, not great. Totally box office. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, I think that's there. the final week. Yeah, I think that's the final weekend of fixtures. What about the weekend before? Just having just having a look. Twelfth, Amptill, Ealing, Bedford, Coventry, Doncaster, Cornish Pirates. That could be tasty. Well, I mean, that might just be worth going to anyway. Not Jersey, as... Nottingham, Richmond, Harpery, okay. and London Scottish with a bye. Well, maybe just as another thing, maybe on that one, the Doncaster v Ealing, is it? 
there is a on that, oh no on that game was that was Doncaster it? Cornish Pirates Doncaster Cornish Pirates might be worth just nipping over to Doncaster for that one anyway and mm. letting people know we'll be there not for too, that yeah. not too far 12th of March mm. yeah anyway I still want to go to Lisbon or Madrid oh I know I know I think we should discuss this off air yeah we should let's do some predictions yeah come on then what games we got Okay, we have got on Saturday the 1st, if it goes ahead, if they're not spending New Year's Eve partying in student halls, <laughs> we've got Sale hosting Wasps. Oh, they are, I got the invite, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to that, I'm going you? to that shindig, yeah, it's a, um, Man Met this time, <laughs> they got robbed at Man- Manchester <laughs> University, they're going to Manchester <laughs> Metropolitan University. I so. think Sale. Uh, I think Sale as well. I think Sale. Um, then Exeter hosting Bristol. Bri- uh, Exeter. Exeter. Jeeves. Then on the Sunday, we have three, three o'clock, Gloucester hosting Quinns. That's tasty, that. That'll be interesting. Really tasty. Gloucester. Uh, Quinns, just. If Marcus Smith is back, give me Quinns. Although, who needs him? Exactly. Uh, We have Leicester versus Newcastle. Leicester. Yeah. Yeah, Leicester. And Northampton versus Saracens. Saracens should be Saracens, and then on the Monday, the third of Jan, because it's a bank holiday, we have got London Irish hosting Bath. Oh, London Irish, London West, Irish. London Irish East. Oh, I think this, I think, could be on for six out of six on the predictions there. Irish. London Irish are run right. Could be an accumulator weekend yeah, this one. Maybe, maybe. Finally. There we go. Well then, well then, everyone. So, odds on, it'll be five out of five, and then on the Monday, London Irish will get a draw. Yes, London Irish have ruined a few accumulators this yeah. year with drawing. Right, get in touch with us. Contact deadchasers at gmail.com. Our rugby podcast on Twitter. He's at JB Moore. Patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.